Hi, this is Wyatt. It's just about midnight as I'm recording this, and I don't know what attempt number this is at recording this supplemental episode, but uh, all I will say is that it's very awkward to try doing these on my own, sitting in an empty room in the middle of the night. Uh, It really makes me feel like something is wrong (laughs) with my brain. So I'm going to do my best to get through this because I do think that there's an interesting topic if I can just get it together to do this. So I just finished reading a book by British comedian, author, musician, probably other things as well, Andrew O'Neill, with a book called A History of Heavy Metal. By reading, I mean specifically that I listened to the audiobook read by the author, highly recommended. It's a lot of fun. And it's very informative. When I was trying to think of what to do for a supplemental episode this week, because I'm trying to be a little more, you know, we're trying to be regular about that. A proper episode one week, a supplement the next, alternating. It's good to have a schedule. It's good to be regular like that. When I was trying to think of something to talk about tonight, that book came to mind. Not necessarily because I'm going to talk about metal. It'll probably come up. But... Because it made me start thinking about categorization. Uh, This also fits in with something that came up in, I guess, last week's episode on Gozu, where we, I guess, somewhat contentiously, iconoclastically, bravely, whatever you want to say about it. But we called Gozu folk horror, which... You know, we referenced that that would probably piss off the purists, something like that. And so listening to Andrew O'Neill's History of Heavy Metal book, you know, there's a similar thing of uh, defining not only, okay, what is heavy metal, but also there are all these different things that can all fall under the banner of heavy metal, and some of them sound very different from one another. You know, how is uh, Black Sabbath by... Black Sabbath, the self-titled album, the album that invented the genre. How is that heavy metal and also Cannibal Corpse and Dark Throne? Those, and yet they're all heavy metal. But you know what you find and what you'll learn in in great detail in the book is, of course, that you know. Okay, well, one is heavy metal, one is death metal, one is black metal, one is grindcore, one is doom metal, sludge metal, industrial metal, new metal. I, I don't know all the different things read the book or listen to it. Anyway, if you want to learn about metal. But the point is that you have a genre, you have subgenres within it, you have microgenres within that, nanogenres, genres of one, singularities, things like that. And, um, you know, it's very easy to make fun of the type of person who really cares about genre. And when I say it's very easy to do that, I don't mean to imply that it's not worth doing. You probably should make fun of that person. Anybody who really, really deeply cares about this stuff, get a hobby. <laughs> this is probably your hobby. So, you know, of course, that that all acknowledge that you're going to have lots of people who really care about categories because those categories, I don't know, that's their identity. I'm black metal guy and this is black metal because I say so and this isn't because if I acknowledge that that was part of it, then then I would have to re-examine everything about who I am and (laughs) my priorities and what I care about in the world and I don't want to do that so liturgy isn't black metal. Ah. I don't know. I remember that one. I think that was like the last 
thing I read on Pitchfork 12 years ago was that liturgy is and is not black metal. I don't know. If you've got metalheads who take the subgenre root system of heavy metal very, very seriously, something very similar to that definitely exists within horror, uh, horror media broadly, but uh, I'm, I'm just talking about movies here. This can get way too big if I don't just limit it to movies. Our podcast is at least so far about movies and YouTube shorts, maybe TV episodes. I don't know. It's about moving pictures, not books or things like that. So something similar can happen when you're talking about horror movies, when you're talking about when I'm, I don't know, I meet some new person, I'm at a party, which is somewhere I haven't been in since 2019 um, you know you meet somebody new and you end up talking about uh, oh you saw this movie you like that you like this oh yeah I'm really into horror movies and you know oh me too okay cool what's what's your favorite horror movie of the last few years and you say uh, I guess I don't know uh, uh, personal shopper wow what a what a haunting movie you know and the other person can say uh, oh yeah insidious the red door green door whatever the fuck it is man that's a good you know the black nun haunting painting creepy nun it part two that's a great horror i don't know i'm making fun of a bunch of shit right now but you know somebody else can say oh yeah i love horror and then say an example of something which is like as far <laughs> away from the thing you think is horror the thing that you think is at least good horror you know they may as well have said um Oh yeah, I saw the Barbie movie. I, I did see the Barbie movie. It was a lot of fun. Uh, don't let anybody tell you it wasn't. But you get what I'm saying. That you can be somebody like me, where it's the thing I like in horror is mostly atmosphere, dread, uh, vibe. I like ghosts, the supernatural, that sort of stuff. I don't tend to like serial killer stuff or uh, slashers, hit or miss. You know, but human cruelty type stuff. Just regular people hurting other regular people. Not super into that stuff. But somebody whose idea of a good time, you know, is uh, early 2000s torture porn marathon, like that person definitely does like horror movies. They might just, we might have a serious disagreement between us. So that's all my typical rambling way of getting around to saying, let's talk about horror categories. We've got the genre horror movies, and we've got all the different types of horror movies within that. Um, this is largely improvised, <laughs> um, showing my my cards here, whatever, that uh, as with the normal podcast, I'm really just riffing here. So this is by no means intended to be uh, academic or properly authoritative, or uh, I'm sure I'm going to forget things uh, misremember dates, <laughs> things like that. So sorry in advance about that, but, you know, lighten up. So I've categorized these in kind of five larger categories and then subcategories and things within that. So the five of those are going to be in no particular order. This isn't chronological or in order of my favorites or anything like that. It's just as I thought of them when I was taking some notes in the beginning of this. So number one, we got human cruelty stuff. So 
slasher movies, uh, Italian Jallo movies, uh, I guess things like like rape and revenge movies, home invasion movies, torture porn, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, second category would be supernatural horror, so ghosts, vampires. I guess depending on which vampires you're talking about, zombies. Eh, depending on which zombies you're talking about, folk horror. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, things like found footage movies are generally supernatural, but uh, you know something where the horror is not uh, a guy with a knife, it's a ghost, a ghoul, something outside the normal bounds of reality as we experience it. Then the third category I've got is creatures. So I've already said zombies and vampires. Are they supernatural? Well, okay, they're not normal. There's something going on there, but are they, you know, is is a zombie a corpse reanimated by, I don't know, a virus, say like The Walking Dead or um, fucking Danny Boyle one. Angry Doctor Who and Oppenheimer. Uh, 28 Days Later. I kept wanting to say 30 Days of Night. That's a vampire movie. Um, you know, you have zombies and things like that where it's like, uh, no, this is just a, this is what we thought COVID might be. I don't know, some shit like that. So it's not terribly supernatural, but it is still a reanimated dead body. Similar thing with vampires. Um, are they cursed by God in an Anne Rice way or are they something closer to, you know, this infected being that, you know, is just being uh, afflicted by some kind of some kind of viral infection that we don't understand yet, and that's why they're so pale and why they need blood, and I don't know, that kind of shit. Anyway, uh, creatures, so we got maybe vampires, maybe zombies, we got definitely werewolves, not a very popular thing, but, you know, we got like kaiju, Godzilla, stuff like that. We've got aliens, uh, goblins, trolls, Nessies, Bigfoots, I don't know, stuff like that, but creatures. This also could be called, I guess, monster movies. Those all fall into this. It can be supernatural. It can be, you know, just like a a big fucking dog. <laughs> Uh, I'm thinking about that movie, the the relic. It was basically like a big fucking dog in like the Chicago Art Museum, something like that. I don't remember that movie being very good. Anyway, uh, category number four, we've got the devil, and I guess what I'm calling Christian horror. So you know, stuff like The Exorcist and The Omen, things that are about uh, you know. A, a Christian battle between good and evil, between God and Satan, between Christ and Antichrist, you know, that that sort of thing. Uh, and then finally, my fifth category would be cosmic horror. Uh, and then also sort of bundled into that would be, I guess, like difficult to categorize strangeness and also a kind of ultra- black nihilism kind of area. Yeah. So I think most things fit into these five broader categories. And then of course, within that, you know, there's going to be a lot of little differences uh, between exactly what's meant here versus there and a lot of overlap areas. So, you know, this is maybe something a little more like we've made reference on the, the main show a couple times to Ramsey Dukes' sort of compass way of thinking about 
magic, science, religion, and art as, you know, a kind of north, south, east, west thing rather than a linear progression through time or a talking about like quality, you know, science is better than religion or religion is worse than magic or I don't know. Those, it's not like that. It's more like these are just kind of directions. So I think there's maybe something similar in this, that these are five categories, but the categories are uh, porous. They don't, there, there are no hard walls between them. It's an, it's a European union <laughs> of genres. It, okay, so <clears throat> like I said, category one is what I'm calling human cruelty. Uh, probably the most popular or enduring, well-known, whatever. Subcategory within there would be slasher movies. So things like Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Black Christmas, uh, My Bloody Valentine, Friday the 13th, it's nebulous there, Nightmare on Elm Street, also I'll, I'll get into why. But you know, a slasher movie where we've got uh, a guy with a knife or a chainsaw or a meat hook or he's got an iconic weapon and he's uh, lurking in the shadows waiting to jump out and kill you know the co-eds. And uh, these movies are often tied around a kind of a holiday. We've got My Bloody Valentine, Black Christmas, Halloween, things like that, Friday the 13th, things like that. They are tied into this kind of, uh, you know, very teenage urban legendy, you know, oh, don't go down that road by the lake on the full moon or else the, you know, hacksaw killer will get you. And then, oh, fuck, the cat, the hacksaw killer is real and I'm getting stabbed in the tits. That kind of stuff. I mentioned, you know, that there's some nebulousness with Friday the 13th, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, stuff like that, because, you know, Freddy is a dream ghost. He's not. So he he does have a, a glove full of knives and he does kill uh, horny teenagers and everything like that. But he's not just a dude in a hoodie, you know, who can like get killed or arrested or something like that. You know, he is already dead and he's invading kids' dreams. A similar thing with Friday the 13th, you know, Jason Voorhees, the first movie, it's not Jason Voorhees. Jason Voorhees is a dead kid. And anyway, then it it's a very messy mythology, but the point is that Jason is sort of not human uh, rather quickly into the franchise. So he is a guy in a boiler suit who's going to murder you in the woods, but he's also uh, an eternal Revenant or something like that. Anyway, the point would be that slashers are, it's generally American and Canadian thing where uh, a guy with a sharp thing or a blunt thing is going to hit you with the thing or put the thing in your face and there's a lot of blood and you're dead. Uh, we've got giallo movies, which would be, I guess, broadly Italian slasher movies. That's not quite... Somebody is very angry that I said that. <laughs> um, but things like Suspiria, Lizard in a Woman's Skin, Don't Torture a Duckling, uh, Deep Red, Torso, uh, basically Dario Argento, Lucio Fulci, uh, Mario Bava, uh, people like this, where they're, you know, a similar kind of idea of there's a, a the, the, the throat slashing, razor wielding, guy with a the fucking uh, Venetian carnival mask is stalking the streets of uh, definitely not Italy. No, it's Chicago, but everybody's dubbed from Italian. Anyway, the guy is stalking and there's ladies who get cut up and uh, 
you know, it's just very colorful and with really over-the-top synth music. I'm being very reductive right now, but uh, the point would be that it's still the main thing going on is watching attractive people getting murdered in really graphic ways. I think that's the common thing that Jallo and slasher movies both have. Okay, this third subcategory is one I would like to breeze through as quickly as possible. This would be rape and revenge movies, things like I Spit on Your Grave, Last House on the Left, uh, I guess also not strictly horror entries, but things like Straw Dogs or The Virgin's Spring. Uh, This subgenre pretty much, yeah, it's all in the title. Someone gets um, sexually assaulted and then they get revenge <laughs> um, or their friends or family get revenge or something like that. Uh, I hate this. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it anymore, but it's uh, you know part of the lineage or whatever. Um, I guess an adjacent thing to that would be something, I guess you could call it like hick horror. Um, I'm thinking about stuff like deliverance or... Uh, I guess Hills Have Eyes counts or uh, that episode of the X-Files called Home. Um, Things like this where it's kind of a mixture of your rape-revenge situation, but then also a sense of, you know, look at these uh, people out in this very rural setting. They're so uh, backwoods, they may as well be monsters. I don't know, something like that. So maybe that's a category. I don't really care. Uh, We've got home invasion movies. Uh, I really, really don't like (laughs) those. Um, So I can't even think of funny games as coming to mind, but uh, I know there are a lot of other sort of schlockier, torture porn adjacent ones from the early 2000s. I don't know. This sucks. But I mentioned the next cat- next subcategory, which would be torture porn, which did I already say this sucks? <laughs> did I already say I hate this? Uh, those movies were all coming out when I was in high school and like right after high school and uh, really made me think I did not like horror because I don't like to see someone... I don't like to see the things in those movies. I don't like the people who make those movies. I don't like <laughs> I don't like the people who like those movies. But uh, I think we all know it's in the title what torture porn is. It's as much mundane human cruelty as possible. It's I hate this. <laughs> um, then we got uh true crime kind of serial killer stuff. I don't know, I'm thinking about a lot of those like direct to probably all DVD like uh, Ed Gein or Jeffrey Dahmer or John Wayne Gacy movies. Uh, I know there's like that Jeremy Renner uh, fucking Jeffrey Dahmer one or there's even the more recent uh, guy I also don't like who made Glee an American Horror Story. It's midnight. <laughs> you know, the fucking guy who did the Dahmer thing on Netflix. I don't know. I, I, I hate this. I don't want to talk about this category anymore. Human cruelty, 
just the kind of stuff that could happen to you in real life, but uh, way exaggerated to one degree or another. Okay, I want to talk about a better category now, which would be supernatural horror. <clears throat> this is pretty much where my interest lies, where the general remit of the podcast is. I'm not going to speak for Dave, but I think we're fairly, we're, we're pretty much in agreement that this is where the good stuff is. So, you know, we've got ghosts. Uh, the number one supernatural thing, I guess, would be a ghost, a poltergeist, things like that. So we've got, you know, movies like, say, Poltergeist. Uh, we've got like Haunting of Hill House, uh, The Uninvited, the, the old one, not the new one. Um, I don't know. The fucking Sixth Sense. We got The Others. We got... Um, the stone tape, we got, uh, I don't know, The Ring, uh, the American one, the Japanese one, we got The Grudge, the American one, the Japanese one. Uh, we've got stuff like the aforementioned um, Personal Shopper, uh, although maybe I edited that part out, maybe that's from an aborted take before this one, but we've got ghosts. We've got uh, kind of tied in there, you know, gothic horror, uh, something that a movie I hadn't thought about for a little bit, but my wife brought up not that long ago. Um, Crimson Peak by Guillermo del Toro would be like a recent uh, gothic ghost story. Um, things like that. But, you know, your classic ghosts ranging from old timey, <laughs> I don't want to say boo ghosts, you know, but uh, the, the spectral apparition of the... Uh, dowager at the manor house that you know wafts a candelabra down the hall I don't know that kind of fucking ghost up to you know something like uh, a yurei from you know a Japanese horror movie or maybe something like the time loop kind of is it a ghost or or what you know from Lake Mungo back in episode two anyway stuff that we would call ghosts um I've already brought this up. We've got time loop stuff, so stuff like Mungo, of course. Um, but then a movie, say, like The Endless or even uh, Picnic, at Picnic at Hanging Rock, uh, stuff like this where you have a kind of apparitional quality to the, the spookiness. Oh, this thing appears that isn't, that, that can't quite be possible, but it seems to have more to do with time and overlapping uh, layers of the spiraling pattern of time or something like that than it does with the classic ghost conception of, you know, no, this guy died and when his body stopped working, his spirit rose up, but it didn't go to the afterlife. It stayed in his room and now he scares, you know, teenage girls. Okay, then we've got vampires, Classic vampires like Dracula, Nosferatu, uh, Anne Rice vampires, things like that. Those are definitely supernatural. Um, those are not, you know, guys who have been infected with some kind of blood virus. I'm thinking about, say, like The Strain, uh, that TV show from however many years ago where it seems more like, oh, there's a biological uh, viral pathogenic whatever explanation for vampirism that might not be supernatural but if we're talking about vampires in the vein 
pun intended, of, uh, you know, Slavic folklore, Nosferatu vampires, those are definitely supernatural. A similar kind of nebulous territory exists for zombies. Um, I mean, zombies come to us from uh, Haitian voodoo and the idea that, you know, uh, a practitioner could enslave the dead, uh, which sounds pretty supernatural, but even if we're talking about uh, the very sort of treacherous territory of, uh, you know, quote-unquote actual zombies within Haitian voodoo, which, you know, I'm not a terribly well-versed on, but even if we're talking about that kind of stuff, we get into the territory of, oh, maybe it was actually like a detura poisoning, it was a fake death. So we get into a similar thing with certain conceptions of zombies. It's Even if we're not talking about like a fake death like that, we get certain types of zombies that might be, um, I don't know, something stupid like walking dead zombies where it's just a blood thing. That would not be supernatural. But if we're talking about, say, a more poetic zombie like... The ones in the French movie, I don't remember what year, but somewhere early 2000s French movie called um, Le Revenant. I, I'm sure I'm not saying that great. Sorry, Quebec. But, uh, you know, something like that where it's just the dead show up again. <laughs> they don't know how they're alive again, but they're just back and want to be reintegrated into their lives. You know, something like that has more of a supernatural bent versus, you know, what I've talked about with something stupid like The Walking Dead where it's, or um, 28 Days Later, where it's, you know, a virus. Um, as far as more supernatural zombie examples go, I guess uh, this also might be contentious, but I would say the zombies in the original Night of the Living Dead are supernatural more than they are uh, viral or something like that because uh, we at least we don't have any explanation for that. We don't get into that kind of um, southern U.S. survivalist fantasy bullshit. That have I? Is it clear that I don't like The Walking Dead? Um, it's not Kirkman shit. So maybe I think in later. Romero movies, it became the viral thing the way that we all think of zombies now. But, it, you know, at least we had a moment where it was just this weird thing that was happening. We didn't have to start uh, thinking about, you know, oh, the CDC is working on a cure for zombieism. I don't know, Serpent and the Rainbow by Wes Craven with uh, Bill Pullman. I want to say that would have been like late 80s or mid 80s even. Um, that's a zombie movie that actually has to do with Haitian voodoo, was filmed in Haiti. Uh, so the zombie stuff in that is definitely actually supernatural. Okay, so I put folk horror under the supernatural more because it feels like it has to do with the world and the aura of the supernatural rather than it strictly every entry within this subgenre having uh, actual objective witchcraft in it. Uh, these movies often get into kind of Henry James, uh, turn of the screw, is it real or is it just fantasy, caught in a landslide, no escape from reality, you know, that kind of territory. Um, but things like, you know, The Wicker Man or The Witch, uh, it was a popular movie a few years ago. 
uh, or The Ritual was a good one. Um, you know, you get these movies really feel like they have a lot to do with this kind of old pagan Europe. And not everything, the point that I was trying to make by agreeing with Dave that, yeah, sure, Gozu can be folk horror is, I think it has more to do with something horrific incorporating the folkloric vibe of the place that the movie, uh, the place that the story is taking place. So, you know, if we're talking about a British movie like The Wicker Man, then of course it's going to be, uh, you know, pre-Christian Celtic revival, you know, Wicca shit. (laughs) Um, Whereas if we were talking about, um, you know, Japan, it, it wouldn't be that kind of stuff. It would be their folklore or their legends or their, uh, you know, Shinto deities like Gozu Tenno or you listen to the Gozu episode if you haven't, um, things like that. So I don't know quite where folk horror belongs, but my feeling that my feeling is that it's a little more comfortable alongside uh, gothic horror, you know, ghosts, stuff like that, than it would be with uh, human cruelty, even though I guess the ending of The Wicker Man is pretty much just human cruelty. But okay, next subcategory, which I've also somewhat unsatisfactorily put under Supernatural would be found footage movies. Uh, We all know what those are. Uh, I guess uh, younger listeners would think of maybe like the Paranormal Activity movies uh, or The Blair Witch Project for people... Uh, my age, <laughs> um, you know, but we, we, I don't need to explain what a found footage movie is. We all know what that is. Um, I put these under the supernatural because they're generally about, um, you know, oh, my uh, house is haunted and I put up these security cameras and it's a spooky ghost, you know, or we're going to, what's the one people, uh, um, Grave Encounters, you know, oh, it's like a fake ghost hunting show. And, you know, this was the last uh, found, you know, literally we found the footage on the floor of the abandoned mental hospital. And now we can see the reality that these poor souls went through. And it's, you know, usually ghosts and things like that. Then I guess a similar kind of what is this, is this actually enough of a thing to be a sub- genre or am I just splitting hairs at this point, but I've got tech horror. I've got things not so much about the technology because then we're getting into Cronenberg, stuff we talked about, stuff we will be talking about on next week's episode on Existence. I'm not talking about uh, the horror of technology in a materialist sense. I'm talking about um, horror that allows the intrusion of the supernatural through technological means. Um, Probably the best known example of this would be The Ring, which is a ghost story, but is also uh, a movie about how scary VHS tapes are. (laughs) Um, Anybody, I guess, my age or older will have a really visceral reaction to, you know, a a TV turned to a staticky nowhere channel, you know, uh, in a dark room. They make you think of something coming out of that TV, either from, say, The Ring or way further back from Poltergeist. Um, we've also got stuff like One Missed Call, uh, Takashi Miike movie that got, like all of these Japanese horror movies in the early 2000s, got remade as a um, 
really abysmal <laughs> American version. Uh, you know, but a movie about, uh, oh, I got a text message from a ghost, and uh, then the text, you know, a similar idea that technologi- technology opens up new ways for the supernatural to interface with our reality and how scary that is. Uh, one missed call of the Japanese one is very good, but best of all of these would be Pulse uh, Cairo in Japanese by uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. That's probably my favorite movie ever of, of any genre. Uh, yeah, like all these got turned into a really, really depressing in the wrong way, American movie, but uh, tech horror. Okay, large category number three. Those were all subcategories. We're back to a large category, which would be creatures or monsters, uh, things like that. So, you know, zombies and vampires could technically fit into creatures like this uh, if they are more of the uh, viral, biological uh uh, I guess godless <laughs> might be a way. I'm thinking about, say, you know, the uh, Dracula, Nosferatu, and Rice vampires, things like that. Always have a sort of. They are still within the Christian world where God cursed them this way, or they're the descendants of Lilith, or you know, it's something sort of like that. That you know, so if that's true, if 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 vampires are real and vampires really were cursed by God thousands and thousands of years ago, then I. I guess this means God exists. And so then I guess that means angels and demons and the devil and heaven and hell and sin and I don't know, all this other shit exists too. So now we're in supernatural world, but uh, you know, we've got all the viral stuff that I've addressed, say something like the strain for vampires or the walking dead for zombies. Um, I think the last of us, I haven't watched it, but I watched uh, I watched Dave play <laughs> the game years ago, and uh, I like the fungal thing in it. Uh, they look really cool, but you know that would be a, another one where the zombies there are not supernatural entities. Uh, they are it's a fungal infection, and it's still very uh, materially real. Uh, we got werewolves, a guy who turns into a wolf, and then. Uh, it's never a wolf who turns into a guy, but um, actually there's a Limmy short story about that. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, yeah, so fucking werewolves. Um, I guess if we're talking about like classic creatures, uh, we've got like the mummy <laughs> would probably be in here. Uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon? Uh, I don't know. Things like that. While we're talking about really old <laughs> foundational movies, uh, we've got like kaiju stuff. I don't know if King, King Kong is not a kaiju because he's American, but you know, a, a big fucking animal. So you got, say, you know, King Kong, where it's the biggest Bigfoot <laughs> imaginable. I mean, it's just a gorilla, but you know, really, really big. Um, and then we've got something, you know, Godzilla, the other iconic. A giant city destroying, rampaging animal. You know, where, okay, so he's not just a big monkey from a distant island. He's, you know, the product of, he's the hubristic result of nuclear testing in the Pacific Ocean here to avenge himself. And you get an eco horror thing. And oh God, eco horror is a subcategory I forgot about. 
The Happening by M. Night Shyamalan. Anyway, okay, fucking kaiju. So we all know what Mothra, Gamera, friend of children. Um, big guy comes to destroy your city. Maybe another big guy comes and fights him and Pacific Rim, shit like that. Okay, we got aliens. Most alien stuff fits in sci-fi or in action. Say, I don't know, The Predator is pretty horrific, but those those are definitely action movies. Those aren't horror movies. And, you know, sci-fi is generally where aliens live, but the xenomorph from the Alien franchise, I think Alien is a horror movie more than it is a sci-fi movie. I think it is set in space, but it is a horrific monster movie. Um, I also think Communion with Christopher Walken is a horror movie. Um, at least it freaked the shit out of me when I was a kid. And that's about aliens. So I don't know, fucking aliens. And then, I don't know, we got all the other little guys. We got fucking trolls and goblins and uh, sea monsters. Remember uh, Lake Placid with Oliver Platt where there's a big crocodile in a lake in like upstate New York or something. Like we got that stuff. We got like, like uh, uh, oh God, the descent with, you know, those, uh, I don't know what they are, goblins? You know, they'll fucking eat you in a cave. We got all that kind of stuff where it's usually, you know, we got potentially some crossover into folk horror because some of these creatures, I'm thinking about say like, like Troll Hunter, which what was that Norwegian movie that maybe isn't a horror movie, but it's definitely a monster movie. Um, you know, sometimes these can be creatures that it's like, oh, this is from our our national, regional, whatever folklore, and we all thought it was just a myth, but oh, fuck, there's the troll, there's Nessie, or something like that. But then, you know, sometimes these guys also get into, you know, something uh, closer to Godzilla where, you know, it's like, oh, is this... Uh, the result of dumping all that toxic waste into the lake and now we've got, you know, a Nessie or something. Or the classic cryptid thing of it's just a, a plesiosaur that somehow escaped notice for millions of years and reproduced, but only like once. So there's not too many Nessies and... Okay, anyway, we got that kind of stuff. So fucking creatures. I think this should be the most obvious category. Is the scary thing not a human and probably not even humanoid? Yeah, it's probably a creature. And many of those get called monsters. Uh, we've got category number four, which I'm calling the devil or Christian horror. Uh, I almost forgot about this because it's probably my least, second least favorite uh area after human cruelty. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've got things like The Exorcist, The Omen, uh, Rosemary's Baby. I mean, these are these are good. Uh, these are the good ones. I'm, I'm saying this is maybe my second least favorite category because of how many abysmal, like, exorcist, exorcism movies there are uh, that are all really just trying to remake the Exorcist, <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got these. These are situations where they are supernatural in the sense that you know you get demons and the devil and uh, spirits and discarnate entity. You, know, you get all that kind of stuff that's definitely supernatural, but it's also explicitly within a Christian. I think most of the time, Catholic, if not exclusively Catholic, framework. 
so you have um you know no this is actually a demon it's it's not a ghost of uh, a vengeful spirit from some point in the past this is Belial, this is <laughs> Buer, this is, I got all the bees on my mind. This is Furfur. Um, this is an actual demon who came up from actual hell to actually possess a little girl. I know it's Pazuzu, and, but Pazuzu's not a, okay, not Christian. Anyway, Captain Howdy <laughs> in The Exorcist comes up through a Ouija board. You think it's, oh, it's a, maybe it's a ghost thing. Nope, it's a demon. What do we do about it? We get a priest. We need a young priest and the old priest, uh, that shit. And uh, they read Bible stuff at it and they wave crosses at it. And, you know, eventually the demon says, fuck, you you got me, God. I'm out. But you haven't seen the last of me. So this is stuff that is supernatural but exists within a specific Christian framework. Um, and namely where the Christian, the, the, where Christianity works. Um, so we've got the devil and we've got his legions of demons and all that kind of stuff. And he is powerful enough to possess little girls and, uh, have a cult in New York city, get a lady pregnant with the antichrist. You know, he has some power in this world, but you know, this, this exists within the Christian cosmos. And so, you know, we all know what happens at the end. Jesus wins God, the celestial throne. I don't know that kind of stuff. Some of these movies are great. Um, eh, Probably just Rosemary's baby. Actually. (laughs) I remember seeing, my mom showing me The Exorcist when I was a kid as like, oh, it's the scariest movie ever. I was like, yeah, it's cool. I like some of the subliminal imagery stuff in like reflections and the little double exposure type. I like the creepier stuff, but the, you know, your mother sucks cocks in hell, crucifix, masturbation, pea soup, crab walk stuff. I, I feel like, I'm, I don't know, it's, it never really did it for me um, as an anecdote because we made it this this far without any anecdotes see what happens see see what happens when it's just me alone in a room i get a lot less interested in talking about anecdotes because it makes me feel insane but i remember going to see whatever anniversary it was 30th anniversary of the exorcist when i was in high school some friends of mine uh, we all got tickets we we bought tickets to see something else because you know it was R rated and we were sixteen or something so we we couldn't get in so we bought tickets for uh, the Cuba Gooding Jr. movie Radio which I think is where he's like a some kind of football it's like an uplifting inspiring football movie or something like that so we bought tickets for that because it started at the same time as The Exorcist uh, re touring, new print, some kind of anniversary thing. So sneak in, we start watching that and maybe 20, 30 minutes in, um, the reel burned up and, or the projector does, something catastrophic happened in the projection booth and uh, 
lights go up, the usher comes in and says, "Oh, you know, if everybody, uh, we're very sorry about this, but everybody brings their ticket stubs up to the front counter. You know, we'll give you a voucher and you can come back tomorrow or something." But of course, since we had bought tickets for radio, we couldn't get vouchers to come back another day. So instead, we had to watch the last hour of radio, which was um, more horrifying than The Exorcist. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we got the devil. Christian stuff. Uh, some of these have, you know, a bleed over with folk horror, say like, I don't know, the witch, stuff like that. Because, you know, witchcraft, witch trials, the persecution of witches, that all happened in a Christian uh, context. So we, you know, like all these things, it's porous. But we got fucking devil stuff. And then finally, because I'm getting tired, uh, we've got the, my, my fifth larger category, which... I'm going to call cosmic horror, uh, but also encompasses sort of uh, the weird, strangeness, uh, weirdness, things like that. Um, And also just sort of uh, extremely, I'm going to put things that are just extremely nihilistic uh, in here. And I'll, I'll get into exactly what I mean by extremely nihilistic. So when people think about cosmic horror, the name that probably springs to mind most readily would be H.P. Lovecraft because, well, he may not have invented the genre. I mean, he definitely didn't invent the genre. There's lots of people who came before H.P. Lovecraft, uh, but anybody now talking about cosmic horror, Cthulhu is on the mind when they're doing so. So, like a lot of these things, sort of difficult to pin down, but basically... This would be horror where you're not... The thing that is meant to provoke horror is not so much. It's not a guy with a knife who's going to stab you and then you die. It's not uh, some Eli Roth dude with a fucking drill who's going to torture you for a really long time and then you die. It's not uh, a ghost who's going to scare you. It's not a vampire who's going to suck your blood. It's not... Uh, it's not any. It's not a monster who's gonna eat you, or it's it's this idea that beyond the horror of mortal pain or the fear of death, or even things like oh fuck, the devil has my soul. It's more the idea that all of those concepts fall pointlessly into the abyss of our true position in the cosmos, that what we see as reality is a tiny, insignificant island in an endless black ocean of chaos and indifference and all of those sorts of things. And so this was... I don't think we would be talking about this if it weren't for H.P. Lovecraft. And... Through him, we see this presented, uh, you know, through stuff that kind of often looks like monsters or the supernatural. You know, Cthulhu and uh, Nyarlathotep and uh, Azathoth and all his, you know, these these um, creatures that he's come up with. Even if they're very, very big creatures, if they're god-sized, intergalactic, extra-dimensional, whatever uh, beings, they are still conceived of, at least in popular imagination, as creatures. That this big fucking 
squid lion dragon guy is going to come up out of the Marianas Trench and, uh, you know, end the world as we know it. And not just the world, but all of existence will be returned to howling chaos. So as far as the manifestation of Lovecraftian stuff in horror movies, we've got types of things like uh, the relatively recent Color Out of Space movie with Nicolas Cage by the uh, guy who, Richard Stanley. We've got things like Reanimator from Beyond, which uh, we've talked about before. Uh, we've got John Carpenter's The Thing, uh, also in The Mouth of Madness, and I I guess Prince of Darkness too. Uh, we've got more recent stuff like Annihilation. Uh, these are all, you know, some of these Colorado Space Reanimator from Beyond uh, are straight up Lovecraft adaptations. We've got stuff like The Thing and In the Mouth of Madness, you know, which are heavily, obviously inspired by certain aspects of Lovecraft's vision of horror, but are not full-on adaptations. You know, we've got something more recent like Annihilation, which, you know, is uh, based on a book by Jeff Vandermeer. Um, you know, it exists in the same kind of world, but is not, uh, you know, not a Lovecraft thing. So yeah, then as far as non-Lovecraft cosmic horror, this is uh, much more of a literary genre than it is a film genre. Um, a lot of the stuff from it that has managed to be filmed is the Lovecrafty stuff. Um, I guess True Detective season one counts, uh, even it's not 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 completely a horror thing. It's more of a you know it's a cop thing, uh, procedural. But it's also kind of a horror thing. At least it wants to be for a lot of it. I thought that was it was a very good season, um, you know. But with all the sort of Legati stuff and the Yellow King, you know, the Robert Chambers, uh, a lot of references to stuff that either is explicitly cosmic horror or were, you know, in the case of say the Yellow King, like a precursor to the genre proper. A lot of the the sense of of I'm thinking about, say, like The House on the Borderlands by um, William Hope Hodgson, wouldn't quite... The aspect of it that is cosmically horrific wouldn't translate to uh, film. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm rambling now, but uh, I think sometimes what, what kind of fits into this gap in this larger sort of cosmic nihilistic, weird space uh, ends up being stuff that's... You can get stuff that's like an extension of torture porn. Um, I'm thinking about like New French Extremity, uh, namely like a movie called Martyrs, where I don't want to talk about Martyrs too much, but it's it it is a torture porn movie, but it is quite a bit... Uh, deeper than the sort of frat boy Eli Roth bullshit or it's not French but fits into the same kind of territory it would be like uh, I don't know Antichrist by Lars Trier um, because the Vaughn is an affectation look it up it's not actually his name <laughs> um, Michael Haneke um, so stuff like Funny Games which is a home invasion movie and has a real vibe of like a rape revenge thing, but without the revenge, because that's how bleak it is. Um, 
I don't know, stuff like this where it, it just gets really, really ultra, ultra black, dark about, uh, you know, not only is this horrible thing happening, but it's happening pointlessly in a pointless world without even any kind of moral judgment or grand design or it's just ceaseless, empty horror. Um, this is a genre I really, really love in literature and, as you can sort of tell, am deeply ambivalent about um, in film. I think things like, uh, you know, the thing in The Mouth of Madness, uh, Reanimator, From Beyond, all that kind of thing, that shit's great. Um, I've seen a lot of really, really bad uh, like direct-to-DVD or direct-to-streaming or to fucking Amazon Prime um, pseudo-Lovecraft adaptation stuff that's just really like, ah, man, leave this. You know, I, I, I got these books. Let's just leave it in, in literature land. So I'm really running out of steam now. It's almost one in the morning. <laughs> and... um I hope that this hasn't been a complete waste of time um, and that there's some sort of something useful coming out of this, some sense that, you know, hey, so talking about categories and maybe even subcategories uh, within a genre, say horror, uh, like Andrew O'Neill did with Heavy Metal in the book way back at the beginning of this odyssey we've been on together, um, you know that 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 can actually be a very useful and helpful thing because you know now with these categories, um, I can I could say tell somebody, oh, you know, uh, what I really like is supernatural horror. Um, you know, so I'm not interested in uh, turistas or <sighs> yeah, I don't want to see that shit. Uh, but you know, I do like a good old you know ghost thing. So and you know that can be really really useful, but also, um, you know, maybe we know some stuff now. I'm thinking about, you know, how these categorizations and this kind of stuff can can very easily turn into a kind of gatekeepery, uh, genre policing sort of behavior. And I think sometimes there's a bit of this that's like, uh, you know, know your enemy. <laughs> um Know the categories and the subcategories, and you know, educate yourself on this stuff so that when you meet someone at a party who wants to tell you that uh, you don't know anything about uh, weird fiction because you haven't read Viraconium by M. John Harrison, uh, you at least know what they're talking about. That is a reference to a real person and a real encounter uh, that I had that I have never forgotten about. <laughs> Um, so, you know, don't be that guy. Don't be the guy telling someone that at a party, uh, even though I have now given you some ammunition to do so, but use it for good. Use it to arm yourself against gatekeepery, uh, snobby behavior. Uh, use it to better find the things that you do like. If these categories have been useful and you say, oh, wow, you know, I want to know more about uh, fucking you know, creatures or something like that, you know, that this can be a way that people, um, I don't know, come together or find a, a way to, to talk about the things that they do like in a more, uh, in, a, in a richer way, something like that. So um, I'd say overall, you know, categories can be, 
can be very useful, uh, especially in a such a uh, vast ocean like horror. But uh, don't take them too seriously. Um, you know, as as I think the porousness and nebulousness of some of these categories has has demonstrated. You know, these things all bleed into one another, or or maybe they don't all bleed into one another. But there are points where you know a, a creature thing becomes a cosmic thing, becomes a supernatural thing, and and all that. So don't take it too seriously. Get a hobby. <laughs> um, so hopefully this was useful entertaining, not completely tedious. Uh, we will be back for a proper episode uh, next week. We've got something very special coming up next week. Uh, so watch out for that. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this. Have a good one. body horror, which is mostly the filmography of David Cronenberg and his children, either literal or uh, metaphorical. But we have a whole episode on that coming up, so I'm going to leave it there. Bye again.